It's another segment of BuddyCast. I'm here with my good buddy, Kurt Johnson. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Kurt owns uh, Shawbucks over in Jamestown, New York. I've been there plenty of times. It's a very well establishment. So I thought I would chat with him for today. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Nick? Doing good. Thanks for being on the show. Certainly. Absolutely. So let me start by asking, um, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you. Okay. Um, I'm Kurt Johnson. I live in Jamestown, New York. Um, I'm married. I have uh, my wife, Tammy. We have two boys, uh, Colin's 16 and Caden's almost 15. Mm -hmm. um, I've lived in Jamestown most of my life, uh, except for two years. I, From 18 to 20, I went on a motorcycle ride with a friend of mine and went to Dallas, Texas. I lived there for almost two years. Mm. It was quite an experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically um, what I do. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now, as I mentioned before, you also own a restaurant called Shawbucks. Yeah, I own Shawbucks, and um, we've been here twenty five years now. We opened March thirty first, nineteen ninety five. Ooh, yeah, and um, I figure I was a carpenter before Shawbucks. Um, and uh, I figured I put my two trades together. I like to drink and I like to build. So I built Shawbucks, you know, <laughs> and I was a little nervous about doing it. Like when I was back in Texas, I had my motorcycle and um, I had my own business down there. Eventually I wound up tinning car windows uh, mm -hmm. and a place and at Advanced Auto Tint. And I opened my own business called Advanced Auto Tint. And um, that ran for about six months. And then uh, when I got back here, I got back into carpentry. So uh, I was in the carpenters union for almost probably nine years before I got into the bar business. Yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of businesses, a lot of them have been impacted by COVID-19 recently. Um, how has yours taken a hit? I know we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Yeah, actually right now we're closed. Um, in the beginning, we tried to stay open. Um, we used the Paycheck Protection Program and uh, tried to keep our payroll up, but we were running a pretty high payroll compared to the sales. So without the Paycheck Protection Program, it's just not, uh, it's too expensive to make money without being 100% open. Um, we're basically doing takeout. Um, we're looking to hopefully maybe we can figure a way to, to re-enter and reopen and, you know, have limited hours and, and services. Um, but it's just, it's difficult to take the, the chance with, you know, all the expenses. If you're not at a hundred percent, it's hard to make ends meet, you know, mm -hmm. Basically, it's too expensive to make money at this point, you know, and, and that's what we need to do. Mm. Now, when you guys open up, what changes do you think you'll have to make in order to like make the accommodations and all that? It, you know, everything changes every day. So, I mean, there's just so much uncertainty, you know, and even the numbers coming back on COVID, everything's changing, you know, so you don't know if the death, you know, what, where everything's going to be at any time. So I'd imagine if I was going to open next week, let's just take that for an example. I'd, 
you know, my staff would have to be trained correctly. We'd be all wearing masks and, um, you know, all the new sanitary conditions. The tables have to be six feet apart. You know, all the basic uh, rules and regulations that are inputted. Um, to start with, I would probably just do three days a week or even two days a week just to test the water without losing everything all in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's basically the, the changes. I mean, I don't, we wouldn't be allowed to do live music or anything, you know, because of the public assembly. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, it, it would be hard to decide what to do until that the time actually came, we could think we could make a go of it, you know? Mm -hmm. This is one of the hardest businesses to run as it is. And I mean, it was just two years ago, Governor Cuomo gave all my employees a 30% pay increase overnight, you know? So it's kind of insult to injury, you mm -hmm. know? And I think you're broadcasting from Pennsylvania. I mean, our minimum wage went from, for waitresses and bartenders from $5 an hour to seven fifty an hour overnight. And I think your waitress wages are around 383 an hour or something roughly. Mm -hmm. And we're due for another pay increase and our minimum wage is up to 1280 an hour or 1180 an hour due to go up. So, I mean, it's, it's really changed the dynamic of the bar and restaurant. It was mm -hmm. fragile to begin with. And then add on that you're not allowed to be a hundred percent open you know, it's just common sense. It's, it's not feasible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now tell me, what are some of your favorite specials that you have at your restaurant and an unbiased opinion, you know? Yeah. You know, actually I never, I never really ate fish fries before we started doing them, you know, when we opened the restaurant part of our, of Shawbucks and uh, during the, when we were doing takeout series, like you got to try our fish fry. I'm like, okay. So that's, I love our fish fry. That's one special that we do every Friday. And um, we were just making up our ribs for our rib special. And that's another mm -hmm. special I enjoy. <laughs> Even though I try to eat no gluten, no dairy, no sugar, I do cheat now and again. To <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. Do you guys still have those? Uh, I think they were like lobster raviolis or something. Did you have those at one point? Yeah, no, yeah, we did. They're not on the menu at right uh, right now. I mean, obviously, nothing's on the menu right now. But yeah, I mean, also our chicken wings. We do them like twenty four different flavors. We do pan fried, grilled, mm -hmm. and that's always been something that we're known for. We try to always get away from them, but that's what yeah. people keep coming back for is our our wings. Mm. But I, you know, yeah. our our steaks, all our food. You know what I mean? Really. Um, Chef Sherry really does a great job in the kitchen. And and so, but those are my favorite specials is the uh, ribs and the Friday fish. Ooh, I'll have to try the ribs when I come back one time. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. We just run them in the summer months and then we'll have a winter special and hmm. uh, we do pot roast and in the winter time. And that's mm -hmm. a good. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned earlier something about live entertainment. You said you have live entertainment on the weekends, like live bands and all that? Yeah, that's mainly how we started. Like Shawbucks originated. I mean, do you want a little history on Shawbucks? Sure. Originally, I, I opened Shawbucks uh, in 95. And um, 
it originally started in just a small bar that was burned out. It was called the main event and the whole place was needed to be remodeled. So I literally gutted it. And believe it or not, two weeks after I signed my lease, I wound up with testicular cancer. Oh. And I wound up continuing to do the job. You know what I mean? I didn't back out of it. My mind was set. I wanted to open a bar and go back and be self-employed again. So eventually we opened March 31st, 1995. And uh, it was basically set up like Cheers because I enjoyed watching Cheers and it's a local place. And um, it was an oval bar in the middle, brick brass, a lot of classes, how we coined it. And it took off right away. People knew me, you know, and then the, everyone knew my story. So two weeks before uh, I opened in March, I got a clean diagnosis from cancer. I had to do the whole chemo and five months of that while building it. And obviously I was building it myself because I'm a carpenter. And then in March of 1990 or December of 95, the building we're in right now uh, was called Mactic Jacks. I bought this building at a public auction, so I tied the two buildings together. Uh, Mactic Jacks is what, where we're at now, opened in uh, September of 96. And both businesses ran together till 2001. In 2001, um, they uh, had to eminent domain a bunch of buildings on Lafayette Street because they were putting in a twin pad ice arena that had such a large footprint, they actually had to move Lafayette Street to the east. So the original Shawbucks building where I started was tore down in 2001 and I just moved all operations into the Mactic Jack space. So Mactic Jacks was a space that did the uh, was open Thursday, Friday, Saturday and it was mainly a nightclub. You know, I had two bars, one location. Downstairs was cozy, quiet, friendly, cheers type. And the back was more, you know, bands, dancing, entertainment. Um, and so, you know, just a history on Shawbucks, that was my great uncle's nickname. Wow. I chose that name. Uncle Shawbuck was born like in 1903. And he didn't fight in World War One, but in World War Two, he was a medic. And he was in like at the age of 40, I guess that's all he could get in, but he wanted to serve. And uh, he became an alcoholic after that, after all the action and whatnot. And um, he just meant a lot to me. You know, when he died, he was a vagrant. He'd pick fruit and vegetables in Florida in the, the summer and in the winter, and then move back up here like a hobo, you know, in the winter. And, um, he passed away when I was about seven and he left me his only possession, a samurai sword. So that's all he, you know, had. And uh, so he meant a lot to me. So I figured I'd name it after Shawbuck. And um, he actually got his name from moonshining back in Prohibition. Um, they lived on a farm up on Trask Road. Um, and uh, his job every day, they'd have to cut wood and do everything for uh, moonshining. And every day his job was to grab the buck saw on the way out of the woods. And so they all had some drinks together and friendship. And, and they said, hey, don't forget the Shaw buck. So boom, that became his name. It was never after a coin or everything. So that's, that's the story of Shaw buck and how it originated. Beautiful, beautiful. I like that. I like that story a lot. It sounds like, hey, you had an influential uncle. Sounds like, you know, that's, you know, there's family history behind your business, for sure. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now, going back to my original question, um, what about like the entertainment on like the weekends? What do you usually strive for? And- okay, mainly um, Friday we'll do uh, we'll be uh, karaoke now. I mean, Ooh. sometimes it'll be a DJ. We mix Friday night up, and mm-hmm. then Saturdays mainly bands. And um, we were modeled in 2012, and the focus was to be on happy, energetic music. And um, basically, I said, no more angry music. This is going to be a place of, you know, happy kindness. And we went after that for our live music, along with our, you know, what we do here is is mainly focused on uh, <laughs> happy and compassion and kindness. So, um mm-hmm. We've had we've had uh, one of the original bands I had here was uh, Jake Banta with Jake's Blues. He's from Erie, Ooh. and we got to be good friends. And uh, I know he still plays once in a while, and I think he's been recording uh, some music again. So maybe we'll get him back here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Have you ever thought of other like entertainment values, like maybe an open mic night or something like that in the past? Yeah, we. I, we tried it a couple times. There was another bar doing it, so I just kind of didn't go mm-hmm. after it. But um, it's kind of difficult to do the, it's it's a tough mix to make when you're a restaurant, because we're a full restaurant. We have a separate dining room. Mm-hmm. And during the week, you just don't want to be too loud or when you engage the activity. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do an open mic, I think you'd want to start it earlier than after my dinner hour started, because most people during the week have to, you know, get to bed and, and wake up and go to work. So, you know, they're kind of, it's kind of hard to have a restaurant and do an open mic. So I, that's why I basically dedicate my entertainment towards the weekend and, um, and Saturday nights, you know, the, the grandparents will come have dinner and then the grandkids will come in later on at night or, you know, their parents come in for dinner and role change like around, 11 12 o'clock at probably 12 o'clock at night everything shifts you know mm-hmm. we reach a wide wide range of range of ages you know mm-hmm. now on the topic of comedy you actually hosted a very well-known comedian very well-known actor dan Aykroyd, for a special interview what was that like oh that was crazy um they called me maybe five days before the interview and um, Tom Benson, a friend of mine, that's the director of the comedy center. And, and he said, Kurt, you know, we, we want to host an interview with Dan Aykroyd and Dan rather during the comedy festival. And I'm like, great, great. He said, well, we want to use your venue, but you've got to be closed to the public. So normally June, July and August are slow, but since the comedy center's open and that's like one of the biggest weekends of the summer is the comedy festival. We were reluctant, like, well, what do we do? But we knew it was the right thing to do, and and what an honor to host Dan Aykroyd and and Dan Rather to do an interview. And um, we shut the place down. They had, like, 10 cameras as it was a whole professional crew, and we worked with them all day long to to get it done. You know, we served lunch, and then we shut down to the public for probably four or five hours to do the interview. I think the actual interview took – probably an hour, hour and a half. It went pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they first brought Dan Aykroyd in, it was um, everyone was set up waiting for him. And then they had to get his prompter set up and whatnot. And everyone just left just him and I there alone. 
So he started reminiscing about his motorcycle. He was donating to the Comedy Center. And, you know, I was just getting ready to tell him my story about my motorcycle ride to Texas and everything. And all of a sudden they grabbed him from me. But he was very friendly. It was, you know, cool to hear his stories. Um, He was talking just a, a bunch of stories with him and his Harley. That's what he drove back and forth to the set from, you know, in New York City. And uh, he told the story of how his mom uh, would hear him come home at 2 or 3 a.m. She could hear the motorcycle popping as he pulled in the driveway so she knew he got home safe. <laughs> and uh, Dan Rather was just a total class act. Um, the producer, um, well, I can't think of her name, but she was very friendly. And when he came in and she wanted to introduce me, we were having troubles with my my register system. So I'm on the tablet trying to fix it. And I see him walking over to me and um, he holds his hand out and he says, hello, Kurt, I'm Dan Rather. And I just cracked up. I'm like, well, I know who you are, Dan. It's such a pleasure, you know. And it was just a total class act, you know. So um, it was a great experience. And then also seeing it um, on TV when it, uh, oh my God, I can't, all of a sudden I can't think of the, I think it was called like the interview or something. Yeah, the big interview with Dan Rather. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. And uh, so when it aired on TV, it was it was fun to watch and see the inside of the bar. And they actually pulled my wife into it because they wanted to have a, a drink of um, Crystal uh, Head Vodka that Dan Ackbright owns his own uh, vodka that's made in Canada, pure vodka. So they all had a martini at the end of the... Uh, and at the end of it, and they just pulled my wife and said, okay, you can bartend. You know, we want to get you in the picture pouring drinks for them. So uh, she got on camera too. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually have a funny story for you. I was there that night that he was. I stood outside your establishment for about two hours in that line to meet him. Oh. For, to meet him for 10 seconds because I heard he was there. I'm like, I am not missing this opportunity. Yeah. To meet him for 10 seconds, to literally have him sign my notebook, take a photo, and then move on to the next guy. Oh, and you know what happened was um, it was supposed to happen right after the interview. Yeah. Your day, he was so busy. And when he came in, it was like 90 degrees. You know, yeah. it was super hot and, and everything. He was getting pulled every direction possible. And he says, Kurt, I promise I'm going to come back. I'm going to sign, but just give me a couple hours. I got to run my motorcycle, drive it for a photo op and drop it off to the comedy center. So their plans had kind of changed. He says, I promise I'll be back. And so I guess I took him at his word. And now an hour goes by, two hours goes by. I go outside to see what's happening because I saw him pull up. And I see as soon as he got done, he sang with the band. As soon as he got done with that, he made a beeline for the door, um, kept his promise, talked to everyone, signed everything. I hope you got to meet him. I got to meet him for about 10 seconds, literally. Can you sign my oh. note? Can I take a quick photo? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yep. And that was my joke about it. That was how I, I just stood in line for two hours, literally. Like I was that one fan who just stood in line for two hours to meet him for 10 seconds, you know? Was it worth it? Oh, most definitely. I've got yeah, a signature. And yeah. He was a nice guy. Like anything you ask him, hey, can I get a photo with you? Or, can you sign my comedy notebook? Hey, can yeah. I do a photo? It wasn't like, now you're being too demanding, kid. 
Yeah, and you know, he was so appreciative for doing this because I mean, he owns the uh, House of Blues, so he knows the business. Mm-hmm. And I just remember him saying, anyone that's been in business, you know, almost 25 years, I mean, that says a lot. So we did have more conversations later on, and it was it was really cool interacting with him. You Most know? definitely. Heck, if I could have him on the show, that would be super fantastic, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wish I could hook you up with him. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I knew him well enough to say, yeah, here's his email. Yeah. Um, but speaking of comedy, the one thing I want to ask you, you know, you said the Comedy Center is open. It's literally right across the street from you. Like if you, yeah, it's literally to the point where if you open your door and threw a rock, you would hit, you know, you'd hit the big uh, LED sign that they have. Yeah. Has that helped your business at all by chance? Like has that brought new customers or? Yeah, it's um, normally like, cause in, in Jamestown, we're on Chautauqua Lake, but everyone seems to go to the lake June, July and August. And I've always threatened that if I could close for the month of June, cause I go backwards, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. In the summer, well, since the Comedy Center opened, last year was the first year they were fully open for the whole summer. And I, we actually made money June, July, and August. And oh. it was just a super busy summer. There was a lot of people from out of town, but a lot of locals, you know what I mean? And and all the talk and hype. So, um, yeah, last summer my sales were up incredibly, like 30, 30% from what they did the year before, maybe even more. And um, it changed the dynamics of my business, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I mean, overall, last year was a great year. My, my, it, and it, yeah, a lot of it was a, the comedy center. And I know my, my food, my chef Sherry, that's been with me for over three years now, has really stepped up our quality of food. So the locals are coming. But um, there was a lot of people from all over the country, all over the world, coming in and visiting the comedy center and and coming in. And um, it's a huge asset to the community. Unfortunately this COVID-19 just kind of mothballed everything. Yeah. You know, and I think they're still open limited, but I don't, you know, I don't see a lot of traffic going in and out, you know, at this time. And um, it's an amazing museum. I've been in there. It's all digital. It's, um, they have the holographic room and um, it's state of the art. I think it was around 20 million to build it or something right Mm -hmm. around there. So um, yeah, it was great. And it's it's a huge asset for the community once we get back up and running, you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll come right back on board. Mm-hmm. I say that because I'm a member of the Comedy Center. I um, I remember, there, here's another funny story for you. There was one day I was watching my sister's dog and she I took both of our dogs on a walk, my dog and her dog, and her dog got away from me on that walk. So I had to chase her down at least three blocks, including, uh, or at least down three streets, including oncoming traffic. So I finally, I caught her at the foot of our street and I'm dragging both dogs up the street, just mad as ever. <laughs> so I finally get in the house. I, I, I put her in between like our laundry room, which is like in between our house and the garage and just close the door, look at my dad and go, she is not coming out until I say so. And then I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sitting there in my room later and I'm like, I need a good laugh, just a good, like, good time before I end up putting a dog up on eBay, you know? Yeah. And then oh, that's I, amazing. How quick did you get up here after that decision? I, it hit me, like, right after that. I'm like, 
a good laugh, but it can't be a good laugh. Like just, oh, you watch a comedy video, ha ha. And I'm like, <laughs> comedy, that's it. I've always wanted to go there and I never had an excuse. I got the day off of work. Oh, Why not? So I, uh, I ended up going up there. I took a day trip. I literally took one look around. Like I wasn't even, it, I wasn't even past the entrance. Like I wasn't even past like the, you know, the lobby where you check in. Right. One look around and went, what are your membership rates? <laughs> and you're better off getting the membership. You it, know is. I mean? it is. It is. $100 yeah. gets you unlimited access, gets you two tickets to Comedy Fest, gets yeah. you like early access to all these things. Like it's just, it's amazing. Like you get the, you get the first dibs on the comedy tickets. Like you get the first dibs on everything that goes on. Yeah. And, and it's such you. a good deal. You know, you, you, when I went through, it was three hours, but that's all I could take. But mm -hmm. there was another 12 hours to go. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you got to do it more than once to oh, get well, the full effect yeah, of what's yeah. in there. You just can't do it in and a day thing, or three hours. <laughs> the thing you also got to do is you got to take friends around. You can't do it just so like you can do it solo. Yeah. If you're yeah. like, if you're a comedian like me, who's looking for new things, you know, like if you're just someone who wants to, okay, I'm going to go back there and I'm going to go study um, the hologram room, like you said, or I'm going to study, I'm going to really look at um, like the, you know, I'm going to sit in that lobby that they have or that, uh, that restaurant they have in there. Right. And just wait for everyone to do their open mic stuff so I can study them and then see what I'm doing compared to them. But if you take a friend, it is 10 times better. It is, yeah, it took. I took my uncle, who's one of my biggest comedy fans, because I do a little stand-up comedy. Do you? Oh, cool! Yeah. I'm gonna have to do open mic or have you on someday when we get yeah. going. I'll tell you about it. Um, my key joke is that I'm the hide-and-go-seek champion of Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm defeated in my neighborhood because one time they even awarded me the Amber Alert. Oh boy! Yep. So that's a good intro. Yeah, I actually have a comedy page I'll send you a link to later. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah, so I took my uncle, who's my biggest comedy fan. I took him around the Comedy Center one evening, and he loved every second of it. And this is one reason why I went into comedy. This is the biggest reason. He told me afterwards, he's like, thank you so much for bringing me here. He said, for one evening, I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to worry about my job, oh. marriage. I didn't have to worry about like, you know, what's going on with this person. I didn't have to worry about, all I had to worry about was just going and having a fun time, having a good laugh. You know, and that's, that's what really got me super excited is cause I, the whole purpose, you know, laughter's the best medicines, the yeah. Lucille Ball's quote. And I mean, that's so true to life. You know, how do you get your, interrupt your, yourself you know what i mean from those negative thinking or whatever and when you laugh it just brings you to the present moment and you're just let go i think it's the first form of energy psychology you know you hear of all this tapping and different meditating and breathing well i mean laughter can bring you to the present moment in one of the quickest ways possible mm -hmm. and that's what i was saying with like the whole dog situation like you know a lot here and there yeah it can change the course of your day you know but I needed that good laugh like that. That was a great time laugh. Not just a, hey, you want to hear a joke? Yeah. And, you know, because those are the memories you build. Like, I remember just being down there. And it was, it was honestly one of the best, like, it was worth it. It was, 
I came home and I hugged that dog later, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, I was this close from selling her on eBay and just telling my sister, I don't know where she went. Thought she got away. I don't know. You know. Oh, but, that's awesome. That's yeah. a great story. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you, what outside of Starbucks, you mentioned carpentry and all that. What are some of your hobbies that you like to do? My wife wishes it was carpentry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do enough of that to keep her happy, but I, we do oh. so. You know, painted the dining room and done a few things, but um, I enjoy golfing. I've been a golfer for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy motorcycling. I still have a motorcycle. I've had one since I was 12. Oh, my 16 year old Colin bought mm -hmm. a motorcycle out of Northeast Erie, a, yep. a nice bike. And um, he's only 16. He had his own money and I didn't really want him to get into motorcycles because they are dangerous. But I figured it it might be a little easier for him because he'd have someone to show him and teach him about riding. And it's mm -hmm. another thing we get to do together where when I learned how to ride a motorcycle, I was very reckless. I crashed a lot. I mean, it wasn't easy. So hopefully he'll have an easier time riding. But um, we do enjoy riding, so I'm back doing that a lot again. Um, and just being with the family and, you know, being around the kids and uh, I enjoy comedy. I enjoy, you know, going out. I really enjoy uh, going out in the woods and, and spending time taking our dog Layla and just going for a quiet walk. Um, so outside, that's basically what I, we like to go to the races. Colin likes dirt track racing and he races go-karts at state line. And we come down to Erie now to watch the racing and, uh, mm -hmm. That's another thing we enjoy. We've sponsored quite a few different drivers, Dutch Davies, John Lobb, Dick Barton, a good friend of mine. We sponsored him for many years. Um, so it's, yeah. So that's what we do. Sweet. Now I'm going to ask you two questions. I always ask my buddies that come on the show. Okay. The first one is if you could have our viewers donate to any charity of your choice, what would it be? Um, you know, I think I would donate to heart math um, just because, you know, when I when I look at helping people, I, I try to assist people mm -hmm. rather than help them. And um, only for the reason, because when you help someone, you kind of become a slave to their helplessness. When mm -hmm. you assist them, they become part of the solution. And heartmath.org would be one because it's um, it's a type of a meditation that you can actually measure. Um, it's heart rate variability. You get a device that works with your your cell phone or, you know, and you can measure and just calm your heart rate variability. And in times of stress, they use it for uh, people with PTS from military and they use uh, police and um, it's a, a growing thing. And there's basically there's a communication between your heart and brain and your brain's got its own type of heart with so I, it's uh, your own type of brain. So yeah, that would be one or Tapping Solutions Foundation. That's another one for relieving stress, mm -hmm. uh, emotional freedom technique. I don't know if anyone's heard of tapping, but those are great. And I think they're much needed at this time to assist people through the stress, the anxiety and all the fears going on. And um, heart math doesn't take long. Once you become in coherence, the device will let you know. And it's all about it's a lot about breathing in compassion, kindness, and it just kind of sets 
your pace for the rest of the day or any time you get knocked off. So that would be a foundation I would recommend. That was beautiful. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. You said that was HeartMath? HeartMath.org. Yeah. And the devices aren't expensive. So if you know someone that's having anxiety, mental health issues, you know, anything, or even if it's preventive maintenance, um, it really, uh, it really can, you know, change your stress level. And then you can think clear and make better decisions than, you know, when you're stressed, you're not thinking clear. You can't be creative, you know, it's mm -hmm. very difficult. If you're stressed, I'm sure it's hard to write comedy. You oh. know what I mean? Well, sometimes, the best, sometimes the best comedy comes from those moments, you know? It could be, yeah, when you're finally like, I can't take this, and all of a sudden, yeah, you, it probably could be. And yeah. then you laugh at yourself, that's your reset, so. Yeah, like the story like the story I told you, you know? Sometimes yeah. you face adventures, like you just chase the puppy down these streets with oncoming traffic, and you're, the entire time you're thinking, how am I going to explain this to my sister? Yeah, um, right. And then you finally just, you know what, I need a good laugh. There you yeah, go. but you know humor. Humor is oh, the best yeah. medicine. Laughter is the best oh, medicine. Definitely. definitely. But other times when you just can't find anything funny, you know what I mean? You can, and it'll take your, you, you have to focus on it. So it's kind of like a reset button. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it's a meditation type thing and it's, you know, breathing in and out equally and then just focusing on breathing in and out compassion and kindness and finding that in your heart, it helps. Mm-hmm. All righty. Now it's time for what I call the ultimate buddy, buddy cash question, <laughs> which is if you, what is your advice to anyone who wants to own their own business, specifically say a restaurant? Well, specifically like a, a restaurant, um, number one, I would caution if you're married, you know, I know it could disrupt a lot of marriages. If you're single, you know, there's a lot, it's not all glory owning a business and a bar and restaurant. But if it's your passion, if you really know it, um, I would say, you know, go for it. You know what I mean? Don't let fear hold you back from what you're dreaming. But um, there's a lot of uh, hidden uh, hidden scenarios that pop up that, you know, you, you can't always plan for, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, my best advice would be to be flexible, you know, and, and not stick rigidly to any plan you know it's everything's always a constant adjustment and readjustment non-stop you're going to do that all the time so if you don't like change don't open a restaurant because it'll probably fail you've got to enjoy change you got to find a way to enjoy it if it's your passion and you don't enjoy change you know it's not going to last that long because it's always evolving i don't know if that's good advice or not no that's great advice it's always a thought, you know. I think that's with any business, you know what yeah. I mean? Because you just can't open and say, this is it. This is how the structure works. And then just run itself. It, some businesses, I mean, there, there are quite a few bars that actually run that way. But a, a restaurant and the type of venue I run is, is constantly changing and mm -hmm. evolving. Hey, look at BuddyCast. BuddyCast is constantly changing, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. So, but anyways, thank you so much for being a member here on BuddyCast, or as I call them, Buddies. It was yeah. a pleasure. I hope things start to change in your favor, you know, like things start to open up and you're able to get back at 100%.
and we'll definitely chat about the comedy thing. Well, definitely, I'll send you some material. Yeah, I definitely got to do an open mic, and it would fit later. You know what I mean? Later yeah. on, and you know, even a Thursday evening from nine to ten, you know, or yeah. whatever. You know, just after dinner, maybe at the tail end of the dinner crowd. Thursday night would be perfect for me because that's the night I have off work. So, man, we might have, you might have to host it. Oh, I'll get into that. Show and maybe I'll even have to get paid. Oh, <laughs> now we're talking. Everything's always possible, you know. You just never know. Exactly. That that would be a cool thing to do. Exactly. You could yeah. even live stream it, you know. Oh, <laughs> that could yeah. be even better. Yeah, but thank you again so much for being here. Hey, on BuddyCast. I hope you had a great time, and well, you're more than welcome to come on the show if you ever have something happens, like you know, things open up, and you're looking for venues or stuff like that. By all means, send me a message, and I'll see what we can do. All right, that's awesome, Nick. Thanks for your time, and um, definitely. And if you, everyone, wants to look for updates, we have shawbooks.com, and we also have um, uh, Facebook. And I do these goofy Mindful Monday posts. I haven't done one. In like four or five months, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but um, the motivational Monday. Yeah, they're like I call them Mindful Monday. It's about um, hi, my name's Kurt Johnson. Um, welcome to Mindful Mondays. You can't be happy all week if you don't start on Monday. Should you choose to be happy, life is choice. Boom, and then I do something. And and the main talk I do is about fear and love creating movement, and just being mindful that you're either creating movement through shame, guilt all those things, which is fear or through compassion, kindness, which is love. And just try to, you know, bring in some more compassion and kindness. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and that's something I'd like to develop more, but I get nervous about being on film and camera and, you know, and it's hard to come up with it. And then you're worried of who you're going to offend. And so I don't, I, I know you just have to do it, but it's hard, you know, hey, that's the, that's the philosophy of buddy cast. You just got to do it, you know? Yeah. But I've had, I've had mixtures, like I've had police officers on in this time and I've been like, oh, I'm just waiting for the one person to say defund the police and just watch how that yeah. goes, you know, <laughs> something like that. But once again, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. I hope you had a great time. And to all my buddies out there, remember, go be someone's buddy. Ah, you're awesome. Thank you so much, Nick. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. We'll catch you next time here on... Cast. Have a great day. You too.